Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with Cameron Cruz, co-founder of Arriveter, a company founded by military spouses for military spouses. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of On the Spot with Melinda Garvey. I'm really excited to be here today. Of course, as you know, On the Dot's mission is to provide you access to incredible, relatable role models, women who are doing amazing things all across the globe. And today, I'm really excited to have one part of a two-woman team here with me today, I'm Cameron Cruz, who is the co-founder of Our Riveter. And It's a really, really amazing company. So welcome. I'm really glad to have you here today, Cameron. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our chat. I'm so excited. Cameron is certainly an entrepreneur, but she is a military wife first. And her whole journey into entrepreneurship, and she and her business partner, who's Lisa Bradley, by the way, I should say, came out of being military wise. So I'd love for you just to tell your story because I do think it is so unique, you know, how, you know, most entrepreneurship stories, you know, come out of some passion or some drive or some idea that you had, but yours really came out of a very unique kind of need. Yeah. Lisa and I met in 2011. Our husbands were both stationed in Dahlonega, Georgia. So it was the mountain phase of Ranger School, if anybody's familiar with that. Basically it's in the middle of nowhere, the mountains of North Georgia. Lisa and I had both graduated with our master's. So Lisa has a master's in business. I have a master's in architecture and just kind of landed in a spot where we were having a really hard time finding jobs. We both really wanted to have a career. It was something that was always part of our identity, something that we had always planned on. But when we moved to this tiny little mountain town, there was just not a whole lot of architecture happening for me. And Lisa had been there for a couple of months and she was having the same struggle. And so we became really fast friends over the shared hardship of being not being able to find employment as military spouses. And we realized that there was nobody coming to save us. And if we wanted something, we were gonna have to make it for ourselves. And that was the first part of the realization. And then the second part was that it wasn't just us, that there were so many other military spouses out there that wanted something like we did. And so we had this incredible community of people that we were ready and willing to serve. And so we fell into the American handbag company that we call our Riveter. And we basically employ and empower military spouses with mobile flexible income all over the country. So they get to take their job with them no matter where the military takes them. And we put all the pieces together here in North Carolina. And I know that just the challenge of And I guess I sort of knew this, but I didn't realize it was so often that military families move on an average of every two to three years. They sure do. And just trying to plant any kind of roots, I know, certainly is tough. But then often, as you said, they move to remote towns. I mean, sometimes internationally. I mean, I think there's all kinds of challenges there. As women, as you said, highly educated, you know, wanting a career, you know, how do do you do that? So it's a very interesting challenge that you faced. There's all kinds of transitions happening. There's transitions for your family, for your career. There's all of these things that I took for granted when I lived in one place growing up. And so I realized that there's so much of my identity tied to where I was and who I was going to be and kind of what my plan was going to be for my career. And so when I lost that, it changed on me. 
I want to call it my quarter life crisis, but that was short lived. And Lisa and I just really picked up and we said, okay, we're both doers. So bootstrapping and entrepreneurship really did fit, even though I didn't know it was going to, (laughs) but it fit really well for us. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about how the two of you got started. You both moved, right? Went in different directions. And how did you keep it going? And then how did you scale it? The big question, how do you scale it? We started with a little tiny investment. So Lisa and I both put in about $2,000 at the very beginning of the company. Um, It wasn't all at one time. It was kind of piecemealed. I mean, we basically made five bags to make 10 bags and 10 bags to make 20. We were just doing this one thing at a time. And I think that was important for us because it really made sure that we had the patience and the discipline to make sure that our business model worked. We just bootstrapped from the very beginning. Um, And that really worked for us, you know, and ultimately how we scaled it is just pure grit. There are so many times where we didn't know how we were going to make it to through the next hurdle, you know, how we're going to get the next, you know, five grand to get this next machine or, you know, all the things that come with scaling and manufacturing a retail business is very expensive. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, but, you know, a big part of our scaling really was when we went on Shark Tank in 2016. So that was a huge slingshot for us and able to procure and and get an investor and a partner in Mark Cuban. So he really helped the financial aspect of being able to scale the business. But there's so much more, obviously, than just the the capital. You know, I think it takes a lot of grit and determination. And for Lisa and I, one thing that was really helpful was the partnership because, you know, we're both moms, we're both spouses. And business was something that we were passionate about. But there were times where we both needed each other where I had to go on maternity leave, she picked up, or there was times where I was feeling like, you know, I don't know what I got myself into and I need help and I just need a morale boost. And so she would be my first call. And I think that's how, you know, we did this together and we, you know, we make sure that we check in every day kind of on a, on a business level, but also a personal level too. And, and that's really helped us scale and keep it fresh. And has it been, you know, challenging since you, you all live in different cities? I mean, how have you sort of made that work? I mean, not only is it a long distance relationship, but a long distance business relationship. And how does that work out? It's definitely a business marriage. There's very few people that understand the joke there. Um, and sometimes it gets us into awkward situations when we tell people about that. But, you know, <laughs> I think that for us at first, it almost made us more productive because being apart, we were really forced to focus on our own part of the business. Whereas when we were together, we would get distracted, all the little things that want to distract you as a, an entrepreneur and a business owner, all of the latest social media or, you know, all the flashy things that are really easy to get distracted with. So it really made us focus. And then of course, there's times in our relationship where it was hard because we were distant and we had to basically make sure that our relationship and the relationship of our team as well Make sure that's something that's healthy and has a really good foundation because you're only as strong as your team is. Well, and you talked a little bit about how you got funding. So you first started out with your own money. So kind of uh, on a bootstrap mentality, you do a Kickstarter campaign. I mean, that gets you not only your fans, but obviously a a little bit of cash rolling in and people Mm -hmm. buying products and that kind of thing. And then what is it, I guess, when you look at that trajectory, because I think that sometimes you find people that are sort of that pure bootstrap and just made it big. And then the people who go out for funding. So you sort of have this hybrid where you did these steps, but when did you know that it was the right time to take that next step to do a Kickstarter? And why did you do that? And then what ways you even think about going on Shark Tank? So I'd love for you just to sort of talk through that whole process. 
I think Lisa is probably the reason why. I mean, she's always the one that reminds us we have to stay hungry. You know, I think as entrepreneurs, anytime you get comfortable or you start to slow down, you know, you're ultimately going backwards. So Lisa was an incredible driving force in us never resting. So we were always looking for the next thing, always looking for how we get our brand out there, how we sell more bags. I really like to focus on the operations. And so that that powerful partnership between us is really helpful. So I do have to give all the credit to Lisa. Not all the credit, but I do have to give a lot of the credit to Lisa on that one for being that driver. She's very hungry and competitive, so that helps. I don't know if you ever know the right time, but I think if you kind of align the risks with the reward, that helps us make those decisions. You know, for us, Kickstarter was an incredible, and for anybody out there that's just starting a business, Kickstarter is an incredible resource because the risk is so low. I mean, you're going to put the money out there to have the video and potentially have the prototypes, but you're basically letting the market drive how successful you are. And so it's an incredible resource. So that was just a no brainer for us. What stage were you in the business that made you think, hmm, okay, so we need something or to get to the next level. Where were you when you made that pivotal decision to take outside resources? We were in year two. So we started the company in 2011. This was 2000 and no, this is 2014. All the years start to, all the years start to come together. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, well, 2019. I mean, that's like a, that's a big deal. Eight years yes. into a company. I mean, no, it's, it's crazy. Just depending on what date is, it seems like two weeks or it seems like 20 years. You know, for us, it was this idea that we were trying to scale manufacturing. So we knew that we were going to need more money to buy more equipment and provide the space to do that. We had finally gotten out of my garage. So we started the whole company in my garage. And my husband, when we made our move to North Carolina from Georgia, he said, you know, you have to get out of my garage, please. <laughs> can we have somewhere to park our cars again? And I just, I really need our, our bathroom back. Because you can imagine the whole production team was coming in and out of our house. The restroom and the kitchen and he's like can we just have our house back and you have to get your own space and so we finally got our own space and that was one of those moments where it was terrifying because we didn't know you know we were locking ourselves into rent we were you know engaging in overhead now that we'd never had so we were starting to invest a little bit more in our business and we knew we were going to need the capital to back that up and provide that cushion so now then the leap to shark tank so when did you decide to go on shark tank Aired on Shark Tank in 2016, and it was probably one of the most terrifying things we've ever done, but it was the best thing that we ever did. We learned so much about our, about our business. You know, for Lisa and I, I mean, the fear of failure on Shark Tank really made us dig in and learn our company like we never had before. So at that point, we were learning, okay, how much does it cost to scale and engage at this level or at 600 bags a week or at 6,000 bags a week? And so we learned so much, all driven by this fear of being on national TV and totally tanking. It was amazing. I mean, it was a really good experience. We landed an incredible investor. You know, we learned so much out of the whole thing from start to finish. And for us, it was just, we have this huge mission to empower and inspire military spouses across the country. And so in order to really dig in and do that, we were going to have to do something big. And for us, that was Shark Tank. So I know that so many people are fascinated by Shark Tank, and I actually live here in Austin, Texas, and there are a couple of people I know who have actually gone through Shark Tank successfully, it's, and it's interesting just to hear sort of the, the back-end story, and, you know, mm -hmm. obviously Mark Cuban is your investor, and what does that look like afterwards? 
you get the investment. How involved is he or his team? How instrumental is, mm -hmm. is that just even the guidance part, setting aside the money part to your success? I mean, there are so many different types of investor relationships. And for Mark and us, it's one of, you know, I'm here if you need me. Of course, I mean, the experience that he and his team have is just, it's amazing. And so he's an incredible sounding board. His team is a great resource. But like any relationship, you get out of it what you put into it. So as much as we want to nurture it, we're, you know, we'll get out of it. And as much as we want to say, hey, we've got this, we want to run our own business. He trusts us to do that too. So it's, it's really nice. We really couldn't have landed a better shark. That's amazing. So what's been the most rewarding experience about what you've done? You know, I know you're really passionate about employing these women across the country. I'd love for you just to talk just more about that and maybe some, you know, I don't know if you have any stories that you've heard from these women or, you know, the impact that it's made. For me, selfishly, I think taking on growing and scaling a business is one of the most difficult things I have ever done. Um, next to being a mom. And obviously, of course, one of the most rewarding too. I think it's just this idea that back to where we started when Lisa and I had lost our identity and we were looking for that thing, we were looking for something to dive into. Being able to provide that for other military spouses and other people on our team is the most rewarding thing. So seeing people come together and really have that stand up, we can do it attitude. There's nothing really that beats that. And that's why I go to work every day because seeing people come together and realize I have more potential. I could do something else. I could be part of something bigger. And then being a place for those people to land and, and being that opportunity is incredible. You have women all over the country. How does the hiring process work? How do they find out about you? logistically how did you figure out I mean that's not not easy no it, it's definitely been a work in progress and when we started we had a remote manufacturing network in our heads and we also had eight other variations of the company in our heads as well so we've definitely refined and simplified the message and the mission and the business model over the years which helps a lot and for us, I mean, the digital tools available to us in 2018-19 world that we live in are the only way that we can make that work. It's incredible that Lisa and I can run a business so seamlessly and be, you know, across the United States pretty much for 90% of the time that we've been in business. You know, and I think it just so much of our success is driven by finding team members that align with the mission and that's so important. You know, I think that anytime you bring on team members or add to your team and they're not aligned, you'll know right away. So I think so much of our success is being able to find the right people. And do you recruit at different military bases? I mean, is that how you find them? You know, since we started, we've not really had to recruit. We've had so many people that have landed kind of at our door and said, hey, I'm interested in this flexible mobile income thing you have to offer that we've never really had to recruit. At this point, we have a waiting list. It's pretty phenomenal. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You're based right now in North Carolina, which is where I guess you have a retail store, correct? And you also have your manufacturing or your production facility is there. So what's next for you? Like, what if you move? What happens? It's so strange to think about, you know, when we first moved here, our retail, we essentially needed somewhere to put our manufacturing and we needed some way to pay for it. And so we said, okay, we'll go into this little space and we'll open up our door and just sell these bags too so that we can pay for the space for our fab shop. That just grew and grew. And now it's, you know, from that little, like tiny little retail store in Southern Pines to our brand new flagship store, 
you know, just for the business to be able to stand on its own two legs, even without its co-founders, as I think every co-founder's dream. So the business would stay here with or without me. Um, we have an incredible team and just an incredible foundation here in Southern Pines. So if I were to go anywhere, you know, I could potentially open up more retail or, you know, take my job on the road as well. So it would stay here, I think is the short answer. Yeah. Speaking of sort of the future, you know, what do you see as the future for our Riveter? I mean, you're, you're growing, obviously, but what's the big dream? Well, as I mentioned, we have this waiting list of people wanting mobile flexible income. So my dream someday is to be able to take on as many military spouses that seriously want mobile flexible income and be able to provide them with an opportunity. So really, when I tell people about the future, it's just more of the same. So (laughs) it's more, it's getting really, really good at what we do and kind of expanding on that to be able to provide that across the country. And that's, I guess, growing your manufacturing and, of course, growing the promotion. And so if you could give one piece of advice, first, maybe to military wives who are feeling stuck like you were feeling, you know, what would you say to them? You can do it. We have kind of a couple of sayings at our Riveter, and it really is inspired by the Rosie the Riveter, you know, we can do it attitude. But when Lisa and I started this company, you know, it started with the words, I can do it. So it started with something in me that said, you know, I'm lost. I'm looking for something. I need something to fill this void and something to fulfill me. And I know that I can do it because there's so much in, you know, not just military spouse life, but life in general, that's going to try to bring you down and get you distracted and, and lead you away from what you really want. So I think ultimately it's the words, I can do it. And then we can do it. So as a group of women, you know, I was on your website earlier and I love the hashtag empowered women, empower women. I live and die by that every day. So this idea that we can do it. So we as women, we as a community of women, we can do this. We can do whatever we want if we put our mind to it. And if we support each other and lean in, there's no telling what we can accomplish. I love that. When I get asked sometimes about creating something for women, people say, well, do do you ever feel like it's weird to leave men out or it's discriminatory? And I was like, no, I mean, I love men. But here is my deep core belief is that I think for so long, you know, men have had these networks and this support and they've been able to see others in higher roles and know they could be that too. And we just haven't had that. And I actually believe that, that closing the confidence gap by women banding together and supporting each other will actually build in such a way that men and women will actually work better together and support each other even more because women will have that posse, right? We operate differently. We think differently and we need that and we need that support and we just haven't had those big networks of support. So I think that wherever in your life you can be part of that and be part of supporting other women and their success, it's only going to lead to all of us working better together. Absolutely. I love that. So do you have any, I know Rosie the Riveter is a role model, but is there anybody that is a role model in your life? I mean, I learn every day from my husband. So he's been in the military for almost 20 years and he's just an incredible rock. I look to him for leadership, for stability, for honesty. He's incredible. My parents, my dad was actually an entrepreneur. I never really, you know, you think back as an adult now, knowing, knowing what I know and where I am, and I'm blown away by you know, my parents' ability to have just provided us a better life than they have. So ultimately, that's one of my goals is to be able to provide my kids a better life than what I had. 
I mean, my business partner, you think there's nobody that understands what I'm going through more than she does. So our ability to, to keep going and be disciplined and stay in tune for so many ways, she's a role model for me as well. No, that's awesome. Well, I know that you guys are going to continue to do great things and I love your stuff. I'm, I was on your website. I was like, Oh, I love that. Ooh, sold out. Ooh, sold out. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a good sign, right? The products are in high demand. So I'm sure that we're going to continue to see so many great things from y'all and tell our listeners where they can find you all in your bags and where they can purchase. So everything is rriveter.com. So rriveter like Rosie the Riveter. It's at rriveter bags all across our social. We're on all the major channels. We'd love to see you and hear from you. And of course you can come to the retail store, which is in Southern Pines, North Carolina. And you can see the bags and get to touch them and feel them and experience it in person. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, Cameron. And I wish you and Lisa the very best. I know that you're going to be hugely successful. And whatever we can do to help, consider us part of your tribe. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass boss you were meant to be. Tune in to next week's episode when we sit down with Maria Orozova, founder and creative officer of the Austin-based marketing agency, Mod Intellikey. Share On The Dot with your tribe. Like, subscribe, and share onthedotwoman.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you stream your favorite pods.